Hello there and welcome to the Alstein Film Podcast, where we talk film, TV, games, and all that jazz like there's no tomorrow. This week we're talking about Rogue One, a Star Wars story. My name is Tom and as always I'm joined by my co-host John. How are you this week? Hello, hello. I'm doing great. I'm very looking forward to talk about Rogue One, a film that I haven't watched since its premiere. Awesome. So Rogue One, briefly explain the plot for those who don't know. <clears throat> Jin's father is forcibly taken by the Galactic Empire to help them complete the Death Star. When she grows up, she joins a group of assistant fighters who aim to steal the Empire's blueprints. Awesome. Ooh. So spoilers ahead awesome. for if you haven't seen Rogue One. So I I mean, obviously you're just saying that you haven't seen Rogue One for for six years, but <laughs> I've watched it quite a few times. And obviously we're now gearing up for Andor, which was literally just when we were recording this, it was just delayed from the 31st of August to 21st September. So we do have to wait even longer, which is soul crushing but yeah like we're gearing up for andor what did you think revisiting it it was really interesting because i watched the new star wars films you know like the new trilogy and then solo and you know it was like a really interesting way of like you know showing what was life before anything happening in the original trilogy like in a new hope and this felt like a comfortable way of like easing the audience into like the star wars world because it's brand new but Rogue One is like that catalyst for New mm -hmm. Hope. And it's really interesting, like with the new CGI, with, you know, new locations. And it was really interesting to see, you know, who were these group of people who were trying to save the whole galaxy from the Galactic Empire for this Death Star. And it's a very powerful story. But looking back at it now, it's like, wow, that's, you know, a group of people who are trying to save the universe. Yeah, I think that there definitely is a really interesting choice to kind of, you know, explore this moment in time particularly. And I definitely think that at the beginning of Disney's run as owners of Lucasfilm, at the beginning of this new era, starting with The Force Awakens, while well, starting a little bit before that with Star Wars Rebels, through all the TV shows and the games and the movies that we've had, you can definitely see towards the beginning and to some extent, it's still like this, but there's a lot of nostalgia for the original trilogy and particularly Rogue One and Force Awakens are two films that really set themselves very like, you know, Rogue One sets itself right before A New Hope and Force Awakens obviously harkens back to it in the way that its plot pays homage to A New Hope. And I definitely think you can see here that this is like another safe move for Disney to make a film that will help them get back that money that they spent on Lucasfilm. And I'm pretty sure it paid off. Rogue One grossed over a billion dollars. So like this film was really popular. And I definitely think that there's a reason for that. Yeah, at the time it was very popular because Star Wars was back alive. You know, it was back mm. from the dead since the it prequels. Was, it was so exciting. There was it nothing was an like it. Era. Like, yeah, like, like I'm, I'm sure one day we'll talk about all the Star Wars films, but nothing compares to the excitement of Force Awakens and Rogue One. And this is a time before... Now, Star Wars has always been polarizing. Ever since The Empire Strikes Back, Star Wars has been controversial. The Empire Strikes Back was controversial. The Return of the Jedi was controversial. The prequel trilogy was controversial. The Clone Wars was controversial. Rebels, the sequel trilogy solo everything is bloody controversial because star wars fans are the worst i should know i'm one of them yeah. and literally what was so good about this time and i still get that feeling when i rewatch rogue one is it hadn't exploded yet oh the last, yeah. the, the last jedi hadn't come out people were in general still happy about star wars and ah, like time. 
it was it was it was a, it was a nice time and there are some things in this film which i just think are so enjoyable to watch so much of it is just fun hopeful star wars with action and you know you can watch it without the weight of a lot of this stuff going on in the fandom and i think that that's really special i miss that yeah and if you remember when force awakens came back in our senior world there was a bunch of stormtroopers around the place yes Yes, and that was, like, supposed to be really exciting. But anyway, looking back at the film, I know what you mean about, like, it was a good time for that era, you know, like, everybody was not worried about it. And this film definitely showed that it was, you know, that time for the start of a new hope for, you know, like, with Star Wars and, you know, what the future is going to be like and, you know, reinventing stories between the prequels and the original and it was like really interesting you know like building that bridge between it and it was great yeah there's a real there's some really powerful moments that i think especially when you watch them now for example at the end when Jin and cassian have sent off the death star plans and they are kind of you know they're holding each other and cassian says do you think anyone's listening and Jin says i do someone's out there and it's almost this metatextual thing of like, you know, this moment just before Star Wars changed everything. Like this film is a love letter to the original in the sense that like you can feel like the galaxy is about to change and everything is about to change and it's on the precipice of a huge moment. And I feel that, you know, at the end of the film, I want to watch New Hope and I feel like my life is going to change all over again because that's what Star Wars did for cinema for so many people. And I would say myself included. And it does feel like that. Yeah, and it's a smooth transition and along the way you get to know these characters and how much they sacrifice to get the blueprints of the Death Star and it reinforces how powerful uh, New Hope was, you know, like what Star Wars was like back in the 70s and how it was like the start of a blockbuster movie trend. Absolutely. I think that the main thing that this film falls short for me is in the characters The film's Mm. characters are just really, really dry. Not all of them. We've got quite a big cast. It's an ensemble piece. But man, like I really struggle because obviously this film ends with a really dire ending and a really depressing one where all of the main characters die. And watching it, I don't feel much when any of them go. You know, I don't know a whole lot about most of the characters aside from surface level things. Yeah, and there was like a pilot, there was like a robot, and there was like really cool characters like Chiro Emery. And he, he was a really cool character that I thought, you know, like a blind Jedi. And there was an interesting, but as you said, they are dry characters. It struggles to keep the story going because it's supposed to like emotional, it's supposed to be powerful for these characters that were trying to sacrifice themselves to get the plans. But there's some great acting from Ben Mendelsohn, you know, who played Orson, and he did pretty well, I thought. And Matt Mickelson, he was excellent as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. His father, he was great. Yeah, I feel like everybody gets their their scene to be to be really cool. You know, as you say, Chira, his second scene where he attacks all these stormtroopers, and you know, you get to see Donnie Yen like you know flexing some of his action abilities, and that kind of stuff is really really cool. And I think that's where this film is in its best. The action and the scope is amazing. Like we talked about Obi Wan Kenobi recently, which is a great show, but man, it looks horrible. But this film, Rogue One. Oh my, it looks amazing. It's so, so visually stunning. And that is definitely something that I feel like we don't have in Star Wars these days. And that can be for so many reasons. TV budget, the volume, different 
people shooting things. But interestingly enough, Andor isn't using the volume at all and is all going to be on location and, and and built sets and, you know, green screen. And, and so I do feel like, you know, maybe we are going back to something like this, which I think is really exciting. Yeah. And there's some really interesting moments in the film. Oh, and also, as you said about like, it looks stunning, like the visual flair and everything. Like it's lovely to the original trilogy, you know, like how the sets were used and they were going back to some of the planets and it was really cool as well, I thought. And there were some cameos like from R2-D2 and C-3PO. Yes. You know, that that's the start of like a new hope as i keep saying you know yeah you got yeah. you got a lot you got a lot of cameos in this you get to see ponda baba and dr everzan in general mm. very briefly and it definitely does feel like a lot of the time you do feel a little bit nudged they'd be like hey remember remember this remember that and it, it you know sometimes it is like yes let me watch the movie you know we do take breaks and sometimes hey it's really charming like when r2 and 3 is like we're going to scarif that's great but other times it's a little bit annoying. And I think that one of the big things that has pushed this generation of cameos and callbacks that we are experiencing with No Way Home and Multiverse of Madness and The Flash and just loads of blockbusters and even Obi-Wan Kenobi and The Matrix and Top Gun, various things like that. One of the big factors in that, I think, is Darth Vader in this film. Because oh, yeah. He is so good in this movie and the reaction that people had when it came out rightfully so again in kenobi vader looked a bit weird he was shot kind of strangely it didn't feel like darth vader but in this film oh my god he has such presence you first see him in the back to tank and then when krennic's waiting outside and the doors open and you get the iconic darth vader silhouette chef's kiss it's beautiful it's incredible he's yeah. amazing and you know, yeah. what can i what what can i even say about the hallway scene at the end that hasn't been said it's incredible like the lighting and the way that he stalks down and and is cutting down the the rebel troopers one by one it's brilliant yeah and i'm still thinking about that scene it just lives went free in my head you know like how <laughs> it's like slowly builds up with the steam and then <sighs> that yeah. scene just comes out and see like ah oh, cinema it's, cinema it's, that it is really is and that is a great way, like a great segue into the next film. And the music in that as well, like they brought back his theme as well. The music, I think it's, it's a really oh, good Oh, the music, yeah. The music is so good. Michael Giacchino is just a genius. And oh, this I is, didn't know Michael Yeah, yeah, Giacchino this is Michael Giacchino, like at oh, his nice. best. And, and this is something that I think... If you remember our, our conversation about No Way Home, if anyone's listened to that, I was really disappointed because Giacchino didn't bring... Like, he didn't tie back any of the old themes. We didn't really get to see Tobey Maguire or Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man themes in their, all their glory. And obviously they were there, but they could have been there a lot more. But in this film, oh my God, it's mostly new compositions, but he ties in the old themes so well. And just little hints of the music goes a long way in making this feel like Star Wars. Again, Kenobi didn't have that and it, it, it kind of detracted from it. But this, you know, the first time we see the Death Star when the laser is getting placed onto the thing, it's not the Imperial March, but it's got a similar motif. And then they bring it down at the end with the Imperial motif from A New Hope. And just little things like that that really make it feel like, yeah, this is this is Star Wars the way that you knew it. Yeah. And it's just, as you said, that nostalgic vibe. It was like a love letter to John Williams' score in Star Wars and like how he kept that within Rogue One. And I thought that was like a really cool thing to it. 
I really like the opening the theme in the beginning, you know, like when Mads Mikkelsen's character talks to Ben Middleton's and it's like, you know, how he wants to live a peaceful life, but then it gets taken away by the Galactic Empire, you know. It creates that soul-crushing feeling, you know, how this is not going to be your typical Star Wars film. It's a lot different what you've seen because all the characters die that you know, and it's supposed to be like a hopeful letter to it. And at the beginning, it starts with dark. And I really like that because it just slowly builds up to, you know, like this whole arc of how to, you know, save this whole thing from the Galactic Empire. Yeah, the Empire is so scary and it is so dark, especially at the beginning. Krennic doesn't oh, give... We were so close to greatness. <laughs> yeah, Krennic doesn't give the Ursos a choice. The, and Lyra dies and Jin only just escapes and Galen is captured and, and the Death Troopers burn down their home. And throughout the film, you know, for example, Jeddah is under Imperial occupation and the whole film feels like it's on a timer and that, you know, they need to do this, like, you know, before the Death Star kind of reaches its full potential. And there are certain scenes like when they're escaping Jeddah and the wave from the Death Star's destruction is getting closer and closer. And it just feels so dire. But at the end of the day, even after everything, after all the main characters are dead, after Darth Vader has gone ballistic down a hallway, the last thing we see is Leia holding the plans. And and when Captain Antilles asks what they've sent, she just says, hope. And that's the final thing we get before the credits roll and we hear the classic Star Wars music. It's like, oh, they're just, they're, exactly. They're just, they're, just, they're just hitting us with nostalgia in the best way because it's not just nostalgia for the sake of it. And there is nostalgia for the sake of it in the film, but it's a love letter to the original. And I feel like in 2016, that was great. Like maybe now it's a little bit more annoying because we don't, we, you know, we don't really get as much prequel love and stuff like that. But then, and still watching Rogue One, it's great to see. I do have to ask, what are your thoughts on Leia and Tarkin in their CGI, CGI. Un- Uncanny Valley? Yeah. Upwing, to be honest. Yeah. Because it kind of ruined the vibe to the whole film because it was supposed mm. to be like, yeah, yeah, and storage and everything, but it has to be like that. But with Tarkin, I was like, is he okay? Because as we know, the original actor died. Many, oh, many years ago. When did, he, when did he die? A long time ago in like the oh, I don't wow. know, early 2000s, maybe. It was a bit weird to have him there. But then again, it's supposed to connect with this whole thing with Darth Vader and the original trilogy and, you know, send that, that character from the prequel. Not the original prequels. Uh, oh, God damn it. Why? It's so confusing <laughs> because... You're not, you don't want to get, like say what like prequel because are you talking about the original prequels or are you talking yeah. about this is a prequel, prequel to... this is a prequel but it's a sequel to the prequels but it's actually a prequel to the originals which then makes it a sequel to the prequels god damn it Star Wars but yeah and Leia at the end I kind of liked it but then again it's off putting but it's that chills you know like she says hope and it was like yes did Terry Fisher voice that line. I don't think so. Obviously, no. this film came out like, mid days before Carrie Fisher passed away, so oh, she was alive. So, no. so, so she was alive when they were filming it, but I'm not sure if she was the one who did it. Tarkin yeah. is really, really weird, but yeah, I agree that Leia also looks weird. But I think that that final scene is so good. This is the beginning of just a horrific cinematic trend that we are trapped in where they just won't recast characters, and thank God they recast characters in Solo, but. Like even now you got CGI Luke Skywalker and in Rise of Skywalker you get you get CGI Luke and Leia and it's it's just distracting. 
if you've watched Doctor Sleep, which is the sequel to The Shining, all the characters in that film, it. amazing film, all the characters in that film that they recast to do flashbacks for, they just recast and they just let you go with it. And it works. It works so much better because at the oh, end no of the way. day, a human performance is so much more tangible and real than a... <laughs> this creepy like cgi puppet that we get in in films like rogue one yeah they need to do that nowadays because the actors they can do whatever you know like they fit in that wall not like a cgi because that's i've put in professor hulk i'm looking at you you, you, <laughs> yeah. you yes she hulk starts very soon i guess we'll see how that goes with a lot of cgi characters yeah definitely we'll see what's that like but yeah star wars is hopeful as it says in the title. And this time, when the film came out, it was a good time. You know, like, with Star Wars fans, you know, like, The Force Awakens and, you know, like, hearing about the, you know, the news about prequels. Well, the, this this series, the Star Wars stories, was kind of short-lived. We got Rogue One, we got Solo. But then after that, they haven't made any more. And any Star Wars stories they were going to make, things like Kenobi and Boba Fett, they have now made into TV shows. I mean... Why? I think- yeah, I think that these things would be better as films. We talked about it, again, check out our Kenobi episode, but that show was great, but it was just, incredible. It was, yeah. it was but it was too long, you know? It was just I agree. like yeah. it could totally be a film and it should have been a film. Yeah, and they would have turned it into a film like imagine like the visual flair completely changed. It would just be like no more like stupid camera work, no. <laughs> All the shaky All the cam, shaky in, cam. In Kenobi. Right. The shaky cam must be gone in cinematography i'm sorry no one can see anything it's do like what john wick did that's a great way of like you know you want to see what the character is exactly doing not like in taken two or something i don't know like it talks like liam neeson to get over a fence with 22 shots i think i don't know like yeah i think the action in, in this film really reflects that and you've got some great stuff i mean in the battle of scarif it's one of star wars's absolute best you've got the ships in space you've got x-wings you've got tie fighters you've got hammerhead corvettes ripping two star destroyers in half bloody great a for that they even used footage from a new hope with some of the x-wing pilots and y-wing pilots which is so cool yeah and cgi did hold up for you know like the battle scenes and everything and uh it was good it was good yeah a lot of people say that, that this film feels like a war movie. And I think that, that there is something to be said about that, you know. On the beach when they're running from the AT... It's not an at it's an ATDPT. I don't I don't know. Um, <laughs> what are you saying, bro? <laughs> I don't know, that might, that might sound ridiculous to you. But yeah, it's... Is it an at What is it? What are you? ATDPT? Okay, it's a, it's a walker. It's a Star Wars walker. Um, uh, you mean the but... AT or the ATAT? No, it's an a- I think it's an ATACT. Yes, it's an ATACT. It's not an ASAT. It's 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 a different thing. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Only <laughs> don't even worry about it. I, I'm, but... I'm I'm over here chilling while you having a mental <laughs> breakdown. I'm just like, which one is it? Oh my god, do, do I know I, which one I is it? Like, chill. I can't call <laughs> my, I can't call myself a Star Wars fan unless I know every <laughs> single detail. But uh, yeah, like that that stuff is all so good. And obviously, we get all the character deaths, and I do think the film falls flat a little bit there because honestly, how much do we know about all the characters? It, it's it's like okay, what do we know about Bodhi? He's the pilot. What do we know about Cassian? He's been in this fight since he was six years old. What do you know about Chira and Baze? 
they used to be guardians of the wills. What did I know about K2SO? He's reprogrammed and sassy. You know, all these characters, it's just like, obviously they they try to give them development, but it just falls really flat. I genuinely think that, like, because there are some good moments, like when we see Galen's message to Jin, but then they killed Galen and you can't really explore what it's like for Jin and, and, and Galen, you know, having been apart for so long because the, the narrative just shifts gear. Saw Guerrera, he has become a huge part of Star Wars. He's been in so much. He He's in Bad Batch, Clone Wars, Rebels, Fallen Order. He will be in Andor. He's, he's all over the place. He just dies, you know, like the film's characters are so flat and it, it, it just... I just feel like it doesn't work. There's a moment where Baze says to Jin, good luck, little sister. And it's like, what? Why are you? Like, you've known her for two days and we've barely seen you guys interact. Why do you consider her like siblings? That just that's just doesn't work for me. And I feel like a lot of this stuff needed more time instead of more action. Yeah, that was a weird bit as well. Like they only met just like minutes. Like, hey, you, you know Star Wars? You're like, yeah. The Death Star. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna get the Death Star. Your father's a pirate. Cool, and then dies. Yeah, um, the, the plot is great, but the people in the plot like really do lack a lot of development to the point where exactly, nobody yeah. even knows their names. Let's be honest, right now, like I I know two well three to be honest. Uh, <laughs> Jin, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I forgot the guy who was... Oh, come on. He's getting a TV show. He's getting a TV show. Oh, um, uh, my brain. Come on. Uh, <laughs> Cassian. Cassian. Yes. There we go. Cassian. There we go. Uh, yeah, like, that's just a testament. Like, I know the their robot names. guy. Uh, K2SO. The pilot. Uh, Bodhi. Uh, who was the, the gun guy? He had, like, a oh, massive gun. Baze. Uh, <laughs> But that's just it, really. I know that I know the names because I'm like a huge fan. But like <laughs> oh, general, are audience... you a Star Wars fan? Name every <laughs> oh, stormtrooper. Um. Um. Oh shit. <laughs> um. But yeah, like general audiences like aren't going to know, and that's that's the that's the problem really that we all have. I'm an example. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you are an example, and I feel like that is why I'm looking forward to Andor so much. Because, man, not only does Andor look amazing visually and in terms of, like, the way that they're expanding on this political thriller, but we are exploring Cassian as a character, and that's what this film sorely needs. And he's an interesting character. You know, the first scene that we see him in, he gets information from someone, and then he kills them immediately. And it's like, damn, this guy's cold-hearted. He talks about how he's done terrible things for the rebellion and how he's been in this fight since he was so young. That's really interesting. But the film doesn't develop that. It doesn't explore that. But now we're getting a TV show. It could explore that. Yeah. At least we're going to get something that is going to be really interesting for this character that wasn't really deeply explored. But now we are. So that's good. So, uh, yeah, Rogue One, what are you going to give it out of 10? It was a good film. I liked it, but the characters that were just completely like lacking. It was a bit dragging on and on with the characters. Like they couldn't explore it, and it was a bit emotionless with them. But Jin, Carrie, um, why did I forget his name already? It's it's Cassie. It's Cassie. Cassie. My, but see the names. <laughs> the names are not like, yeah. brought up enough. 
Yeah, Jeez, no, right. there are so many, and the the film has to introduce all these characters and all these locations and villains, and then you got to do action scenes and like, ah, oh, there's so much going on. Yeah, there's so much going on, but I'm gonna give it a six out of ten. Nice. I'm gonna go seven. Um, so thank you everybody for listening. If you liked it, please give it a thumbs up and subscribe if you want to see more. We've done other Star Wars content. We did Kenobi, we did Book Boba Fett, and we will be covering Andor when that comes out. We're going to do an episode at the end when the show's done. Next week, we're going to be doing the Hobbit trilogy. Oh, yes. And Lord of the Rings. I'm excited to watch that. Hell yeah. Getting prepared for The Rings of Power. And can you can send us an email, tell us your thoughts on Rogue One or Andor or any of that stuff, or ask us any questions, and we'll answer them on the podcast at ourstimefilmpod at gmail.com. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram as well at ourstimefilmpod. Right. We enjoyed talking about Rogue One. And if you want us to talk about any other Star Wars content, what Star Wars story do you want to hear? Do you want to hear a gunk Star Wars story? Or do you want to hear. We all want um, the gunk. We all want the gunk. We want the gunk. Yeah, that's the only one I want as well. Um, that'd be cool, actually. That'd be cool. But thank you for listening. We enjoyed talking about it. Take care. Be good. Take what you're given. Give nothing back. Goodbye. Goodbye.